0: real connection a podcast of real stories that connect us to know we're not alone a series where you might realize your experience
1: is more common than you
2: think hello and welcome to this podcast with me kelly payne these are some intense and inspiring stories that need some more attention Within these series, some brave people are stepping forward to lend you a virtual hand and to connect an audience who may be experiencing something similar. Today, I have with me a good friend, Ashton Marshall, who is a 24-year-old cancer patient. And we're here to take you through his experience with the disease so far.
0: Real connection.
1: All right, so... Before I start, I want to say thank you for all of the lovely donations and messages because it's been, yeah, it's been unreal to be honest. I didn't expect that much money and that many people donating and the lovely messages. But before I shave my head, we'll see that all of the money and the donations are going to Macmillan who I've helped my brother eight years ago and unfortunately now me this year. So I'm ready to, to kick his ass. Absolutely, um, but the, the last message I want to say is that if you're a man, please check your testicles, please check your balls, because it is something that I I certainly didn't think would get to me, even though my brother had it, um, and to still think that, that there is this massive stigma about men not checking their balls, is it breaks my heart, because if someone has to go through what I'm going through now, I wouldn't wish you on my worst enemy, so... Please check your balls, lads. And if you are a woman, go tell your dad, your brother, your uncle to to get it sorted out. Because, yeah, it's it's pretty serious stuff. Cool. 140. Charlotte, can you do the lovely, honest? Please go, boy. Oh my God. You that in the middle. Oh, I love the Arsenal as well. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah i'm recording uh so let's get going so um welcome ashton thank you for being here um just to begin and to sort of introduce yourself to everyone, tell us about like who you are, what do you do for work, how old are you? You know, just all the primary stuff to get to know a bit about you.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So my name is Marshall. I'm from Stevenage, Hartfordshire, I'm 24 years old. Um, at a time of when when I got diagnosed, I was 23. Nice, I like to think I'm a nice, fit, healthy young man. Um, I work for David Lloyd, so. I'm always in and around fitness um, and eating healthy Uh, overall yeah just a a healthy young man I'd like to imagine
2: no really good tell me about how life was like before you were diagnosed like because from what I can what I saw on like social media you lived you were living a fantastic life you were traveling and and working what was that like what did you do
3: yeah, so I travelled the world. Um, I lived in New Zealand for a year. Uh I went to Australia, all around Thailand. Um, then I came back in 2017. Um, I came back for the World Cup so I could I could watch the World Cup with my friends because that's what I wanted to do, be back with my, thre- my friends and, and see my family after not seeing them for a year. Um, I think... Went, went back to work for David Lloyd and, and I got a promotion to become a sales manager, which is what, what I, I wanted to do originally, but I wanted to get a bit of travelling under my belt first. And then, yeah, just, just working a lot, really. I kind of put my, my job as my first priority. Um, tended to go out at the weekends with my friends just down the pub, typical, um, you know, go out for a, f- a few beers, maybe going out a bit too much in the end. Um, going on holidays with, with the lads as well so nightlife was for me was was pretty normal I'd always make sure that I would if I was earning a decent amount of money that I'd that I'd spend it and I'd make sure that I'd make the most of, of life whilst I'm young because I know that one day I'd have to grow up and <laughs> and essentially uh, be an adult so I was to say I was yeah I'd definitely living in life to the full.
2: Yeah um, I remember just being um, you're one of the people who used to just be so jealous of like your lifestyle and what you were doing it just looked so amazing and I think it's just what we all aspire to do Um so yeah I think that's I think that's fantastic Um so moving on to your diagnosis tell me about around that time when you realized something wasn't right what what was it that made you go to speak to a doctor
3: yeah so I um, i found I found the lump in my testicle in I think it must have been about July time in 2019 and it was tiny. I didn't, I didn't think anything of it. Um, my brother had gone through testicular cancer eight years ago, and I got told back then by his doctor that you need to be careful. And um, we don't have the same dad. We have the same mum, so he's he was pretty adamant that I might not get it, um, but just be aware. So I was always fully aware that if I if I had a lump, go get it checked. But I was just in a situation of of me being so, you know. Um, like an alpha male or no way like nothing like that could could get to me it will go Um, I was actually on a lads holiday in Croatia so it was the last thing in my mind of going to the doctors and then over the months it got worse but I got promotion at work to go to work for a bigger branch um, with a big pay rise and I was like yeah like no way I was all zoned in on that and then I met my, my now fiance Charlotte and in in October, we'd known each other for five years, but we got together eventually in the October. And she kind of just wound me wound me in, really, and then I stopped going out. I kind of called, calmed down my, my lifestyle. And then I got really ill at the beginning of December. I had a really bad chest infection. Um, and I'll never forget, I was at work in, in the evening and I, I rang Charlotte and I said, Charlotte, I just don't feel right, something's wrong. And she said, well, what? I said, I'm, I can't, But like, I'm so cold. I literally had, I had two coats on, I was in my office on my own. I had the radiator light right next to me. Um, and something was wrong. I felt like my body was shutting down. It was really strange. She, she, she said, call 111. Um, but yeah, again, I was like, no, like, I'm not doing that. That's silly. Like, I'll just go home and have a LEM sip and it will all be okay. Um, but I did call 111 and I said, "Like, this is my, I've got a chest infection, I think. But whilst I'm on the phone, I need to tell you, I've, I've found a lump in my testicle and it has got bigger. Um, over the course of like five months and the guy on the, the phone said, you need to go to the hospital now, like you need to go um, and get it checked. And that was seven o'clock and I was so blunt that I didn't go until nine o'clock. I still finished my shift. I, I don't think I ever felt so ill in my life. Um, and Charlotte met me there. And that was it really, that that was it. They, um, they said there and then you need to go for blood tests. Um, and then the next day, She she said to me go get a few blood tests and we'll let you know like what what your markers come up as and Then Christmas Eve. I got the the diagnosis of um, having stage 2 testicular cancer
2: So what what was that moment? What was that first hour like when you found out that you had it did you? Did you were you with anyone when you found out did you did you sort of shout it from the rooftop start telling your family members Did you keep it to yourself? Did you feel really inspired to fight it, or did you feel just completely broken? Like what was that like?
3: Yeah, so i we went we actually, actually went to Winter Wonderland the night before um, and said they got a phone call at half eight in the morning, and my dad was actually meant to be flying to New Zealand the next day to go on holiday uh, to see my brother and for some reason, my doctor had my dad down as my number. So he rang my dad at half eight in the morning and said, hi, is that Mr. Marshall? He's gone, obviously, yeah, it is. Um, and then he said, oh, you need to come to the hospital. Like, you need to come to see me now. And he's like, what's this about? It's about, oh, it's about Ashton. Oh, this isn't Ashton. Okay, can you, can you get him? So my dad woke me up um, and Charlotte was with me as well. And he said, what's going on? Like your Because I didn't tell him because I wanted him to go on holiday. And it might have been a cyst. It might have been nothing. Um, so then I, I told him, I said, i went to the doctors for a lump. Uh, I had an ultra scan and this is what's come up as like I don't know. Like I've, he's been told. Like, can you come to the to the doctors now?" So that kind of moment, I knew, I knew it was going to be good news. But I was hoping he'd say, "Like, oh, it's a cyst. We'll I have to have an operation, something like that." And then we walked in straight away. For the first time, I didn't actually have to wait. In the doctors literally was straight in um i was pacing a lot i was just, i was hung over um and it was me my dad and and charlotte and she, he just said i'm really sorry to give you this news but you've got stage two testicular cancer you need to have an operation to have your testicle removed immediately um and that was it Rick. Really, yeah i mean I, I felt like my whole i felt like there's that saying where you just sit in a chair and everything just melts around you and the wall just cave in that's exactly how I felt I don't I felt sick I felt angry I just I just I was just that I just thought my world come tumbling down it was a very awful feeling
2: if you had um gone to the doctors earlier would that have changed anything or would that still have been the same outcome were you told if that was different
3: yeah, so they said to me, if you'd come in, like the, like if you say you found the lump in July, you should have come back in, in July. Um, you still would have had an operation, mm-hmm. but that's when chemotherapy had to happen in, in June. So I let, it was left six months, so I had the operation the week after to have my, my right testicle removed. And then six months later, I had a full up CT scan, and then they found that it had gone to my lymph nodes. So if I had, if I went to the doctors at the beginning of July 2019, when I first found the lump, I don't think it would have gone to my lymph nodes, no.
2: Um, I just, I feel like that's probably like a really harsh reality for you, but I think it's such an important message for people yeah. from here. Um, yeah, of course. What was the, what was the initial fear for you? Was it, was it the sense of having to go through chemo or was it, or was it just finding out like you, the unknown of what this could lead to?
3: Yeah. I mean, for me, I wasn't, when I, when I, when he told me like, oh, you got tested for the cancer. I was like, Hey, okay, wow. Like, that's, that's hard to take. It was Christmas Eve. Um, and then, then I said, the first thing I said, like, will I have to have chemotherapy because everyone knows that chemotherapy is the worst thing ever. Um, and he said, look, there's a chance you might not have to have chemotherapy at all. It depends on, you know, if it's spread anywhere. So I had the operation and had a CT scan literally like the week after that. And they said, like, you haven't, go- it hasn't gone anywhere else. So you- you've been really lucky, but you will have to have follow-up scans. As testicular cancer is very common to spread to other organs. So we will keep you under surveillance. Um, and then it wasn't until six months later Right in the middle of coronavirus, that my CT scan came back that there was a swelling on my lymph node, which was very suspicious. And my my doctor, Dr Sharma, said, "Um, there is a swelling. This is usually what it looks like. You need to have chemotherapy next week." And I think that was probably harder to take because I i googled what chemotherapy actually was, what I would have to do, what would happen. That um, I would lose my hair, I'd lose my muscle. Um, you know, it just gives you all the, these these bad symptoms and side effects. Um, so that yeah, that's probably harder because I knew that I'd lose my my independence of looking how Ashton Marshall looks. I knew I'd look completely different.
2: Yeah, like it takes your identity away almost.
3: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, your identity. Yeah, I look completely lost it.
2: Yeah. Um. I will say, though, that like watching your videos, although it it probably felt like it took your identity you like to a lot of people, you became sort of an inspiration. Yep. And I think that having someone like you be somebody that maybe someone else who's going through this can look up to is going to be so valuable. So though, whilst no one would wish it for anybody in the world, like, yeah you know what you've done to spread awareness has I I don't think you'll probably ever realize the impact that's had especially when one day if you do come across somebody who's going through something similar and potentially like the outreach this has had the amount of people that have even come like friends of mine have come to me I know my partner and a few of my friends have said I actually check myself you know now so you know you could have potentially saved a life and I think that's yeah
3: it's crazy I mean it's, it's funny you say that because I've I had my the tweet that I did beginning, um, it was literally just a picture of me laying in, in a hospital bed and a picture of me on in Australia um, with my top off. And it literally was just like saying, I thought I was the bee's knees. This can come back and affect you. Um, and this is what happened. You know, it kind of just flipped my whole life upside down. And that was a tweet that went, that went viral um, where Mario Falcone came and retweeted me. Um, from Towie, um, a few footballers messaged um, like Paul, Paul Merson, Tony Adams, which was absolute craziness. Um, and then, then I started getting messages from from young lads or people my age saying, "What, what does it feel like? What lump should I, should I? What, what is different?" Um, and I think since the tweet I did in in May, I think I must have had about forty to fifty lads message me and say. I found the lump I'm going to get checked Um, and then more so recently since I did the video on Instagram um, just explaining about my update about how it spread to my lymph nodes I had a girl who went to primary school with called Molly Ewins and she said because of you I checked my boobs I found the lump and I have got breast cancer and I was literally like oh my god um luckily she's had it removed and she's not got to have any chemotherapy touch wood um but that that was I actually read that when I was going to the hospital for a follow-up CT scan and I actually looked at my phone I remembered her she'd left school in year four and she's still found me viral on Instagram and she's found a lump in her boob and yeah I just I just yeah it just made me cry I bought my eyes out absolute craziness um but yeah she's she's now all good Thank so you.
2: literally like so there's no way of saying it or but you've literally impacted someone's life you've potentially saved someone's life I mean how how like incredible is that like honestly no, I, I it's, it's
3: absolute madness
2: I'd love to continue commenting but I don't think there's words um <laughs> so uh so what treatment was you given you had you had chemotherapy how much of it and just describe to because I don't know much about chemo I know it's a terrible experience in it like completely strips you of any good feeling but like tell me what it was, your experience was like
3: yeah so I started chemo on June the 15th I was told I was going to have three rounds um and it's called BEP chemotherapy so I think it's called I don't know what I've forgotten now it's, uh, B is for blusamin E I can't remember and P is for platinum um it's what you it's the chemotherapy you have for testicular cancer mostly prostate uh, one round is five days in hospital. You go home for a week, you go back for one day, then you go back home for another week, and then you come back in for one day. You're stuck to a drip for eight to nine hours a day in hospital. Um, and I had a pick line through my bicep. So it was um, essentially it's like a tube that gets input through your bicep and it goes all the way around through your armpit, through your chest, into your organs. Um, and slowly as the drip goes through it will just slowly drop throughout the day the sound of the machine I do not miss at all Um, it's horrendous and it haunts me to this day it's oh it just brings back so many bad memories but with the the rounds I had to have three rounds it was nine weeks in total Um, you start to lose your hair two weeks in I shaved my hair off for charity because I just couldn't Feel like I could face the the moment of pulling out my own hair or it, it falling out. I actually shaved my hair too too early because it started to grow back, um, and it was probably about a, a centimetre or two. Um, and I was around my mum's actually after my first round. I felt quite well. I quite, actually felt quite normal still. Um, but I do remember just I think I put my hoodie up, and when I put it up, like uh, I got just like a clump of hair like in my eye, and I was like, what the hell? Um, And then I I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh my God, I've just got a lump of hair come out. I literally just remember like just cleaning my hair and just washing it back and forth. And all of my hair literally just came out. It was very bizarre, heartbreaking. Um, Yeah, I cried. It was was quite a a very surreal moment. I had really bad skin, my acne. I had acne before anyway, um, but it was literally all over my body, my chest. I've got scars from it now, my chest, my back, my shoulders um that was horrendous because i've always been one to look after myself um and then I, I wasn't sick once which the doctors were quite surprised at but i had lots of anti-sickness so i was put on a lot of steroids so i put on a lot of weight and lost all of my muscle it was quite flabby which for me was quite harsh i've always from the age of 16 been in the gym and had a six-pack had a had, had pecs and had nice toned arms things like that i looked after myself and what i looked like was very precious about the way i looked um, but mentally, I can't really describe how strong I am now. Nothing nothing will ever defeat me at all. Sitting in hospital for five days on a drip for nine hours a day is painful. Um, especially as the rounds went on, it literally it did get harder and harder. Um, to put it into perspective, the first week of hospital for my first round, I was playing PlayStation all day five hours a day which was brilliant because i'm not allowed to do that at home with charlotte around but on my last round I-, I couldn't even get up to turn the playstation on i was that drained that tired um and that negative that i just sat in my bed with with spotify on listening to music it was it was quite depressing the last the last week actually but also a big relief that i knew i was at the finish line
2: yeah absolutely um did you so has this changed your perspective on life at all like do you look at things differently and yes 100% I know that's quite a big question to ask but is there any specific ways or is it just is it just genuinely just your perspective you you value things differently
3: yeah I mean I've always been one to have fun and you know have no limits I think now I'm a lot more laid back I think before I used to care about what people think um, about me or about about situation, about politics, stuff like that. I'm, now I'm just so much more laid back um, in terms of not like, I don't care about anything, but I'm a lot more, don't worry, it will sort itself out. You could have had cancer. That's what I kind of think about. And um, yeah, what doesn't kill you it definitely, you know, certainly makes you stronger for sure.
2: So you spoke about um, some of the impact of chemo. What was it? How how are you feeling now? Chemo, your chemo is finished. Is that right? Yep.
3: Yeah, so my chemotherapy finished. Um, I think it's about six weeks, seven weeks now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I was at the lowest of a low. Really, at the end, um, my body was not giving up, but it was very, very close to just shutting down. And I was sleeping all the time. My energy levels were non-existent. So slowly I've started to, to build back up again. Um, two weeks after they said, uh, two weeks after your, your last dose of treatment, you should start to feel more human. It takes up to 14 days for immune system to build up again. Obviously this is all throughout the pandemic as well through, through coronavirus. So I had to be extremely careful about, you know, going back to the pub for the first time, going to work, um, exercising. I was fine. I, I went actually. I was insistent on doing a five k run because that's what I, the last piece of exercise I did before I started chemo, and I did five kilometers run in twenty five minutes. And when I did it for the first time after chemotherapy, it took me one hour. So it's added thirty five minutes, and I was I was very fit before, but and I thought. I can't be that unfit now. Um, but it's added thirty five minutes to my five K time. It's absolute craziness.
2: That's quite um that's quite an interesting scale to look at it. I mean, I can't even imagine doing a five K run at the moment. So your fitness is still uh, <laughs> heavily above mine. <laughs> um but no, honestly that's uh it's just, you know, an amazing story. So things got bad again. You got you got some bad news that it spread. Um yes.
3: but I don't really know what to say. So I've just been told that my tumour inside my lymph node has grown, even though I've had two rounds of BEP chemotherapy. I've come in here today to start my round three, um, and my doctor said that I'll still have round three, but I will have to have a serious operation where they'll cut my stomach open from, from here down to the bottom of here
0: um, to remove my lymph nodes because they're cancerous.
3: I just can't believe it. Life's not fair. Tony now life is not fair and there is no such thing as a god. At all. At all. I need you to just tell me. I don't want you to tell my parents. I want you to don't want you to tell my 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 fiance. Just leave it with me and I'll sort it out. Um, the simple case is that Charlotte went back to work and I knew that she needed a distraction. And my auntie, um, God bless her soul, she was going through brain cancer at the same time. Um, so I just, you know, any bad news, just tell me. I don't want it to tell my mom, I don't want it to tell my dad, I don't want to put any more pressure on. So I went in to start my last round and anyone that's, that's had cancer or gone through some sort of hospital treatment you know things are bad when a new doctor just randomly appears in your room. And I was in my hospital bed, so tired, drained, just literally started the drip for, the, for my first, um, sorry, for my last round. And three doctors came in, my, Dr. Sharma, and then this female, and another doctor. And I just kind of thought, this isn't right. And he said, how are you? I said, Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, we need to talk, okay you had your CT scan last week to follow up your your second round. I was like, okay, um, there's no easy way to say this, but unfortunately there is a swelling in your lymph node that has increased and it looks like it's a tumor. And I just, I'm was, i sorry. He said, there's a a tumor in your lymph node and it's grown and we need to get it out. So that's, that's what I'm having chemotherapy for. So how can I, how can it grow? Chemotherapy is supposed to kill something. In this situation, unfortunately, this chemotherapy it hasn't worked as well as what we thought. Um, so that's okay. That's okay. So can you just up the dose? Can you? Am I going to have to have a couple more rounds? Bear in mind that was that was that wasn't enough. Like three rounds was enough, but if I had to have another round, I could kind of get my head around it. But he said no. We, we have to have an operation uh, called RP. LND, um, I just kind of didn't, everything was going through one ear and out the other I just kind of just I was like, what is going on, like, well, this doesn't make sense you must you must have the, the wrong scan it must be someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I said to him well, I said, like, what are the odds of this happening and he said it's one in ten and I said I can't believe it, I cannot believe it and he said oh, I'm, I'm so sorry but um, there's no easy way to say it but you'll have to have an operation before the end of the year and it, it's an operation, and they will cut me up open from the, the bottom of my chest all the way down to to my just below my belly button. They'll take out all of my organs that are in the way, remove them out of the way. Get to the back of me, remove all of my lymph nodes, my left and my right. Even though it's on my right lymph nodes, lymph nodes are like ladders, and they will literally keep on going up and up. So they need to remove all of them. Um, and it's an eight-week recovery, really. So just as I thought things couldn't get any worse, they they really did, um, and obviously it was I was in hospital on my own, and I think that's probably like the the only time I felt like giving up and just thinking, you know what, just just do whatever you want to do now. And I'm give I'm going to give up. So that was yeah, that was harder than being told you've got cancer, being told you've got to have chemotherapy. That was the hardest moment.
2: Being retold and yeah so your loved ones know about that now do they you've got you know yeah so
3: time. i um i called my called my dad first of all and my dad's not not one to cry but he cried didn't know what to say it's you know what do you say like it just feel like you deal with chemotherapy and it's all for nothing mm-hmm. um and then the hard hard one i was was obviously telling charlotte i couldn't how do i break it to her um so i called her her mum and her dad, and said, look, this is a situation. So obviously they were upset. Um, I said, well, Charlotte doesn't know yet, so how, you know, your her, you're her parents, like, what's the best way to tell her? They said, we wait till she finishes work, um, and then when she gets home this evening, you call her, and we'll make sure that we're right next to her when you tell her the news, and yeah, she kind of just screamed, and yeah, that was quite hard to hear over the phone, because you know, I couldn't see her, do anything, couldn't hug her, um, but to it, A breakdown of the phone that was heartbreaking for me
2: no like i can't i literally cannot imagine like i think that almost hearing that is you know and it it's just it's just more 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 of like the burden that this disease has put on you and it i think having to tell other people like that's the part that really like shakes me. I don't know why yeah. that's the part that shakes me. I think it's just because I maybe it's because I knew most of your story beforehand. But you know, knowing how amazing your family is, and you know, I know I know Charlotte well enough to an extent, you know, to know what an amazing person she is, and just to have you and your whole family go through that is uh, like a really toughing to hear. Mm. Yeah, um,
3: you just couldn't write it. <laughs> you
2: couldn't. You really couldn't. So you have a video about uh telling us uh the moment it was a really brave raw video telling us exactly when you found out that it, it had spread um and yeah. you said that you don't believe in god does that yeah. still stand were you were you a religious person beforehand
3: i don't i've never you know i went to a catholic school um primary school and i i wouldn't say i'm i'm religious um but I, I support, you know, I don't if anyone thinks, you know, and they're, they're religious and they believe in a God, then, you know, that's that's their decision. But. No one could sit here in front of me today and say there is a God out there because I, I asked for help. I did. didn't You don't know. I, you, you talk to yourself and say some funny old things when you sit in a hospital bed on your own in a room for, for nine hours a day, five days in a week. With a drip in your arm, you say some weird stuff, and I did. I did ask God for help. I did ask for someone up there to help me. Um, so yeah, that still stands. Really, I don't. I don't think you know. There's there is anyone out there that can help you in this situation. I think life just deals these cards at you, and it's how you deal with them. It's how you look at life, really.
2: Nice. No, I see that. I see that. I've um. You know I've never had cancer touch wood and I, I hope never to you know any more people that I love have to experience that but I've been in a position before where I've done similar things and and you don't get that response and I wouldn't I wouldn't um consider myself a religious person but I've always had like I've never been for or against. So I've just always had this kind of hope that yeah. there was there is someone looking after you and the people that you love and you know if you're a good person good things will happen to you and then people, yeah. you know so uh yeah i can definitely um sort of i find that really interesting to talk about um so talk to you've, you've spoken about the operation and so that's this year is it that's coming up
3: yeah it should be the first week of december I'm, i've got my pre-operation assessment just to make sure i'm i'm not I haven't got covid anything like that and i'm healthy enough and then a week after that i should have the operation so it'll probably the end of november beginning of december
2: so how, will, how does COVID affect that? You can't, you can't have people come and visit you, is that right?
3: Yeah, so, yeah, it's strictly, it's in a Royal Marsden, so there's a COVID-free hospital, which is brilliant. That's um, where most major operations take place, and there's no visitors whatsoever. Um, and when I get home, it will be isolating for a good two, three weeks with, my, with, with Charlotte and my dad. So that would
2: be tough to
3: take as well. Yeah, it's tough. Do you know what? I'm actually quite used to it now because I don't know anything, any, anything different. Throughout my nine weeks of chemo, a hospital, I didn't have any visitors then. Um, but the nurses become like your best friends anyway. It's absolutely crazy. So I'm still talking to some of them now. They are absolutely – they are superheroes and the NHS are – I couldn't thank them enough. They are absolutely unreal and so fantastic at their jobs and what they do. To be, you know, qualified in medicines and – how to, to give treatment but be a counsellor at the same time is just incredible. So yeah, big up to the, the NHS as well.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so just rounding up to the last few questions, um, what support did you receive throughout, like to from your, you know, your friends, your your fiancé, your family? And interestingly, I think I think if somebody so I, I have a few friends for example who are going around going through some difficult things at the moment including yourself and it's it's tough to know what the right and wrong things are to help them people and everyone seems to respond differently and some people want you know messages every day and others don't so what was it for you that really helped you get through this difficult time and what are some things that maybe someone could do that just isn't isn't helpful
3: yeah, I mean, social media got me through it, 100%, just because I I spoke about what's going on with me. Um, I wasn't shy. I wasn't embarrassed to, to you know, shout it from the rooftops that, yes, I've lost a testicle, I've got no hair, I've got cancer, but I'm telling you because I want to help you. That helped a lot. So if anyone has to go through anything similar to me, then I would just say, look, just be proud, pump your chest up and just go for it and tell people, don't be scared to tell people because that will help you through it um just talk talk to people talk to them if they're someone's going through for a rough time just talk to them and just just ask them the most upfront questions because it makes them feel more normal that made me feel more normal when my friends were asking a lot. Like, genuinely what is it what is it like but i've had some friends that that aren't friends anymore because it didn't message me at all which is crazy um so just, just talk to them, make them feel normal, see them if you can, FaceTime them, make them feel a little bit more normal. I mean, my mates organised a FIFA tournament online because I couldn't see them. Um, my family were incredible. with just hosting like Zoom quizzes and stuff like that. It was real good fun. So just make them feel normal and go for it. Don't be, don't be scared and, and ask them anything because they will, they will tell you the truth because they just want to be able to, to air any problems and, and just get it off their chest.
2: Oh, that's really great. Well, what um what platforms did you reach out to that helped you? So, like, I'm hoping that somebody who, oh, I don't hope that anyone's going through this, but I hope that if, if somebody is, what helped you? Is, is there online platforms? Are there people out there that support you?
3: Yeah, so Twitter's been amazing. Um, they've been incredible in terms of the, the, the people that I've met. I've actually met a guy called called is probably one of my best mates now it's crazy I've never even met him in real life before um and he's from he, from Sunderland way up north so he is going through brain cancer at the moment uh he's been he's actually touch wood he's he's actually all clear now um and he's in in remission so it's been absolutely fantastic just to go through a journey with him um both you know compare what hospital food is like um <laughs> where we like our needles being put is quite a funny one really it's exactly the same as going like going through at the same time with my auntie would have exactly the same conversations and make each other feel normal just for five minutes um but McMillan have been brilliant as well they they have so much support to give out it was free literally a free cancelling um they were giving you grants and fortunately at the, obviously because of coronavirus they had, had to stop a lot of the support that they give so they usually come into your ward and they give you massages They'll bring celebrities into the the ward for the day, bring footballers in to see you. So, yeah, it was, I mean, that was gutting to not go through that. But Macmillan were, were absolutely fantastic in terms of support. They'll give you anything.
2: And is there an overall message you just want to make to people who are listening right just, now?
3: Lads, check your balls and ladies, check your boobs. Because life is too short and you don't know what's going to be around the corner. Um, Tomorrow is never guaranteed. So yeah, just if, if I could say one message, it would be check your balls, lads and ladies, check your boobs because no one is, is invincible, unfortunately.
2: No, brilliant. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I hope you're happy with me doing this, but I'd like to dedicate this uh, to your auntie. Who, uh, lovely. Yeah. Um Who you've sadly lost. Um, and, um, you know, God rest her soul. And, uh, thanks for being here today and spreading your message. I think I think what you're doing is honestly amazing. Honestly amazing. So brave, and you're, you've already helped so many people as we know. So thank you. Thank you very much for having me on.
3: Been brilliant.
0: So it's the morning after being told that my chemotherapy treatment will be finished in fourteen days. Which is great, um, but it's also the day after me being told I'd have to have a serious operation, um, as the chemotherapy isn't isn't getting rid of the tumor in my the right side of my stomach in my lymph node. Um, it's a lot to take in. Hundred percent, a lot to take in, but. It's just another hurdle, right? It's a big hurdle. It's gonna be a a four hour operation. They're gonna cut open um, my whole stomach from the bottom of my chest to below my belly button. I'll be in intensive care for a week and then it's a six to eight week recovery after that. Um, I'm still digesting it. This is a a raw video for for everyone to see, and all I'm going to say is just check check your balls. The tiniest lump, anything abnormal you feel down there that you feel like, I shouldn't be there. Go to the doctor. Go see your GP, please. Because I didn't, and now I'm going to be fighting cancer for a whole year. Real
1: connection.